Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Let's shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. Not only for what he's done, but for what he's doing and for what he's going to do. We worship you tonight, Jesus. Oh, yes. How many feel the power of the Holy Ghost? Why don't you thank God for what he's going to do in your life by the time the lights go out in this sanctuary tonight? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, the scripture says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness and come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. That's why we enter into his gate with a thanksgiving. You didn't leave me where I was, but you picked me up and you turned me around. And we enter into his courts with praise. Can anybody, for the next few seconds, give God praise? You saved me. You changed me. You turned me around, and I'm going to give you praise. Well, hallelujah. My, my, what a wonderful presence of the Lord is in this house tonight. I count myself honored to be here and to worship with you all. The Lord bless you for just a couple of moments. You may be seated, not too long, but I want to honor this church's legacy and very rich heritage and I thank Pastor and Sister Bradford for receiving us in such kindness. You are blessed in Pastor and Sister Bradford. I don't know of a more classy couple in all of Pentecost. We sure do love them already so very much. Give honor to Bishop Frost and his wife. We sure do love them. It's good to see my friends Brother Josiah, Sister Stephanie Winkler, known Brother Josiah for quite a long time. Don't ask any questions. He's got some stories on me, and I got stories on you too, and I think I'm going to have the mic more than you, so praise God. And it's wonderful to be here with my wife, and it's already been made mention, Aria. She's two teen, just as bossy as she can be. My youngest daughter, Chloe Diara. This past year, 2020, was very interesting, uh, as we can all attest to. But for me, particularly because I celebrated 34 years of living, uh, 34 years of living. That was the same age in which my father was feeling out his call and was beginning to evangelize, but was very quickly and very suddenly taken from this earth, this terra firma, and promoted to his heavenly, his heavenly uh, reward. He leaving behind myself, an 11-year-old boy, my sister at 8 years old, and a 33-year-old widow, still unmarried to this day. He's a 17-and-a-half-year-old boy. He, because of his talents, somehow tripped the the attention of the chair of music there in Penn State. He was raised there in Philadelphia in abject poverty, abject poverty. In fact, I was in Pennsylvania not too long ago and had the opportunity to go and see where he was born and raised. 
and I didn't think I could handle it, and so I did not go. But 17 and a half years and going to Penn State had pieced together this guitar that he, he wished he could afford, an imitation Gibson Les Paul, made his way there to the UPenn, sat down in front of the chair of music and began to just, just play that broken guitar. The chair of music said, Stan, I want you to stop right there. I want you to know that you've got a full ride to Penn State, and I'm going to help you. Anything you need, I'm going to take care of it. And at the same time, he was entertaining an Army recruiter, and the Army recruiter said, Stan, the best thing that you can do is to use all of this athletic prowess and come and join the United States Army. So my father did just that. And that journey took him to Colorado Springs, Colorado, there in Fort Carson. And that is when God reached down and miraculously saved my father from the depravity and depths of sin that he was living in. And that's when God said, I want you to join my army. So tonight I stand here as a testimony and a testament of that one decision can change your life and the life of those that follow after you. You may feel tonight that you have come to this house just by happenstance, but I'm here to tell you there is a great God that's got a great army, and he's calling you and he's asking you, won't you join me, and won't you walk on this heavenly highway, and let me take you all the way to the king's, uh, the king's tabernacle, the king's place. Amen, amen. And I'm thankful for that here tonight. Amen. As we stand together, I have a reputation that precedes me that I am not a very long-winded preacher. And I told Pastor Bradford at lunch today, I'm going to do my best, hallelujah, to maintain that reputation. Amen. I, I'm known to preach for no more than two and a half hours. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Well, we're going to go have cheeseburgers, so I'm going to shorten it down a little bit tonight. Well, will you help me preach tonight? Let's see what God will do in this house. Amen. Amen. Turning in our Bibles to the book of Genesis, the 37th chapter. We're going to pick up in the middle of a story about a very famous young man by the name of Joseph who is often referred to as the Jesus of the Old Testament. Both Jesus and Joseph, born in supernatural circumstances, both sold for silver, both tempted and did not succumb to those temptations. Scholars have noted over 100 comparisons. We could look at those tonight. But I want to pick up the story in the 14th verse of the 37th chapter where Jacob calls Joseph in and said unto him, Go, I pray thee, and see whether it be well with thy brethren, well with thy flocks, and bring me word again. So he sent them out of the vale of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. And a certain man found him. And behold, he was wandering in the field, and the man asked him, saying, What seekest thou? And he said, I seek my brethren. Tell me, I pray thee, where they feed their flocks. 
And the man said, they, depart, they are departed hence. For I heard them say, let us go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren, and he found them in Dothan. This is the first mention of this word, certain man. For the next few moments, I want to talk about a word that we use sometimes, and that word is further, further. How many want more of God tonight? How many thirst for him? How many hunger for him tonight? Can we lift our hands and ask that God would bless the remainder of this service, that he would use us and anoint us every ear that would hear the words that I speak. God, make my mouth that, the pen of the ready rider, Jesus, and anoint us that we may speak your word, God, in full liberty and have your way in this altar. And God, and would you smile upon us and would you kiss the service with your favor and fill somebody with the glorious gift of the Holy Ghost. Do it tonight in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. And the Lord bless you, and you may be seated. Following Jesus' baptism, his wilderness experience and anointing, I like the way that his, his ministry opens up. In Matthew, the fifth chapter, it says that Jesus was moved with compassion. And he saw some people that were gathered. And there he began to open his mouth and preach his first message. And he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, oh my, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. And I really like this one. Blessed are they that on a Sunday night in GFPC that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. I'm thankful for that word tonight. It doesn't matter where I've come from. It doesn't matter what my last name is. But if I've got a hunger after God, he's got an answer for me. If I've got a thirsting in my spirit. He's got an answer for my spirit. It says, blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart for they shall seek God. And his message was beautiful and at this point was very easily received by the hearers. But his message began to take a little course of a direction change. Can you imagine Jesus' first message? He stands up at the pulpit and says, Blessed are ye when men shall revile and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you for my sake. A man that not very many people knew. A man that uh, really hadn't carved out a reputation for himself aside from a woodworker as of yet. He says there is coming a day when my relationship with you is going to lead you into persecution. But remember what I said. I said you're going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed. He says in fact rejoice and be exceeding glad for great 
great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And I can see in this message the congregation kind of lifting an eyebrow and beginning to wonder. Now I know that this is just Joseph's son. I know this is just the son of a carpenter. And how is it that he is going to tell us that we are going to be persecuted simply for knowing him? And the message went on. And Jesus was undeterred. And he said, it's been told of you. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I'm going to say unto you, don't even reach out and defend yourself. But if somebody smarts you on the right cheek, go ahead and give them the other also. And if any man's going to sue you for your coat, go ahead and give them your cloak. And if somebody says, I want you to come with me one mile, he says, just go ahead and make it up in your mind. Go ahead and go two miles. And it comes to that very beautiful portion of his message where he said, this is how you need to pray. As we've heard already in the service tonight, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. And he said, don't forget to ask this. Thy will, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. How many feel that way on this Sunday night? Jesus, whatever you're doing, I want your will to be done more than I want my way, more than I want my own circumstances. Jesus, would you let your your will be done. What a message. What a message. And so here it is following the Last Supper in Matthew, the 26th chapter, where Jesus would begin to teach his greatest lesson. We see that the life of Jesus, he preached to multitudes. And a matter of fact, there were many that were assembled when he was handing out loaves and fishes. And when it got a little more intense and a little closer, we see that it was just 70 disciples. And, uh, and from that 70, uh, when the way got even harder as it does, uh, there were only 12. And then from the 12 uh, down to the 3, uh, until we see Jesus on the cross, uh, and there's only John. Uh, and there comes a point in Jesus' life uh, where he says, I want you all to come with me uh, and let us go into Gethsemane. Uh, and here Jesus said, I want you to sit here while I go and and pray yonder. No longer is it Jesus and the multitude. No longer is it Jesus and the crowd. But it's Jesus and the three. And Peter, James, and John walk a little deeper into the garden. And Jesus looks at his three closest friends. And he says, my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Why don't you go ahead and stay here? And we look at verse number 39 of Matthew, the 26th chapter. And this is where Jesus begins to really teach us the lesson of his whole life. The inner crowd was now gone in Jesus. And in Matthew 20, in Mark, Matthew 26, 39, I want us to listen to these words. The scripture says that he went a little further. And he fell on his face and prayed, 
And he said, oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but thy will be done. There came a place where Jesus even had to set his own flesh aside. And he said, if I am going to fulfill the purpose that has been put on my life, I've got to leave my friends. I've got to leave my family. I've got to leave my influences. And I've even got to leave my own will. And he said, will, stay. And so the greatest lesson Jesus taught us is that just when you think you have arrived, yeah, just when you think you've got the touch that you need, you need to go a little further. My, a little further. Reminds me of Ezekiel, the 47th chapter, uh, when the prophet said, I was, I was moved by the Spirit, and I was lifted up, and I saw waters uh, that were issuing out of the tabernacle. Uh, and he said, there were waters uh, that were unbelievably beautiful, uh, and there was an angel that led me out. Uh, and when I began to walk, uh, the waters came to the ankles, and the, and the angel measured out a thousand cubits, uh, and I wasn't just walking different. He led me to a place where I started praying a little bit different. And my knees were affected by the water. And that wasn't enough. The angel come and measured out another thousand. And there the water was to the loins. And I began to understand what it was like to reach for another. To involve myself in a Bible study. To reach for souls. And that's when fruitfulness came to me and I thought I had reached the pinnacle of my experience but the angel came yet one more time and measured out another thousand cubits and he led me to a place where no longer could I pass over the waters but the waters the currents were literally moving me at their will and I All because I listened to the voice that said, I've got to go deeper. And I've got to go further. You see, the interesting thing is, it doesn't matter how long you live for God. It doesn't matter who your mom and who your dad is. It doesn't matter how long you've been associated with GBFPC. The way that success in God is measured is how far are you willing to go? And have you been to the place where it was no longer about me, no longer about my will, but I was living proof that not my will, but thine be done. But thine be done. When I woke up in the morning, I didn't dictate my own schedule. But my knees hit the floor and I was led in the spirit. And the Lord let me pray for some souls. And the Lord let me intercede. And I understand now what it's like to live in the flow. To live in the place where God has complete and total control. Oh, clap your hands to the Lord right now. Oh, tonight 
I hear the call. Would you come closer? Would you come a little further? Would you walk closer to me? Would you let me lead you? Would you let me change your circumstance? Would you leave your family? Would you leave your own spouse in that time of prayer? And would you come closer and let me do a work in your life? Oh, oh, God. Scripture tells of another certain man, man, as the musicians come, by the name of Cornelius. Cornelius was a very good man. The scripture says that he was devout, one that feared God with all of his house. He gave much alms and he prayed always. But there came a knock at his door one day when the Lord said, Brother Cornelius, I'm going to measure out another thousand. I thank you for what you have done. I thank you for every penny that you have given. But there is more. I want you to call for a man by the name of Peter who's going to show you what it's going to take to go these next steps. And brother Peter came and began to preach Jesus. And while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them that heard the word. And what was the message of brother Cornelius? You've got to go a little further. I was raised in church and I calculated it over 5,000 hours, over 5,000 hours sitting in the pew. I was moved this morning as I watched the parents bring and present themselves and their children to the Lord. And I recall I have even done the same, been presented to the Lord and presented even my own children to the Lord. But the interesting thing is your mom and dad and your pastor and your pastor's wife can put you in the right place. But there comes a time when, old Brother Sammy, you've got to tune your own ear to the voice of God. Oh, Went away from your friends and away from all of those that have listened to you and that you've rubbed shoulders with when by yourself I feel the Holy Ghost right now you hear a call that says there's no music right now there's, there's, no, there's no fanfare right now it's not a suit and tie but it's just me and I've got to know what you'll do when I reach out and I call you I'll never forget as a 13-year-old boy on a Sunday night. The Spirit of God had moved. I had done everything that I knew to do. I was woke up early that Sunday morning, went and rode a bus and picked up children from the community. I didn't have a nap that Sunday afternoon after dropping the kids off because I had to come back and I was involved in the choir. And I sang. I think I even sang the solo that night. And the Spirit of God was moving. God was there. Went out to eat with my friend. Came home. I'll never forget that knock that came at the door of my heart. It wasn't pastor. It wasn't mom and dad. But it was a voice that said, stand. 
took a broken and a bitter young man. He took a broken heart and he began to mold and to change me. I could not control what happened to my life, but I could control what happened to my heart. And I said, God, if you can do anything, I know you can make me the man you want me to be. We've had a powerful move of God in this house tonight. But there's a desire in my soul and spirit I just cannot let go of. Because I see a river that's issuing from this altar. And I see preachers. I see preachers' wives. And I see an It's got a measuring stick in his hand. And he's walking deeper than you've ever known. Begin to think about Caleb's daughter. This isn't even my notes. Caleb's daughter, one of the two that believed in the promise of God, was given a promise. And he received that promise. And that promise he gave to his daughter. And his daughter was promised on her wedding day, you're going to have a piece of this land. But there was something in Caleb's daughter. She said, I just don't want the land, Dad. If I'm going to have strength to defend this land that God gave you and that God is now giving me, the men are going to need some water. She said, Dad, I don't just want the land, but I want the springs. And Brother Caleb said, because you asked that, I'm not only going to give you the upper springs, but I'm going to give you the nether nether springs. I'm not just going to give you the high of a Sunday night when the choir is singing, but I'm going to give you a place. That is deep. That only you and I know about. A place when all of the world is going crazy. You know where it's at. Where you can come. You can talk to me. In the place where you can get strength for the Monday morning devil that's going to meet you. Some of us have been given the land, but I want to abjure you. I want to compel you. Don't just be satisfied with the land, but go to the place. (laughs) Where the river flows, where the angel of the Lord invites you and says, come in. Leave it all behind. Right here. You know the crazy thing about that river, Pastor? Where it all began. When you swim up the stream, up the stream, through the doors of the tabernacle, the place where the river began was at the altar. God, don't give me another shout, but give me an altar. Give me another good song, but give me 
that second touch. Ooh, I'm operating in the hole. I feel it. I'm reminded of ten lepers that were given a touch and began to walk and show themselves to the priest. But there was one of the ten that stopped everything, that broke tradition, and said, I've got to go back. I've got to go back. And when he started making his way back, and when he fell on his face and began to worship with nobody else there, just him and God, that's when God said, you came to me broken. You came to me without a family. You came to me with nothing. You came to me in your poverty. You came to me in your loneliness. But now you're going to leave home. When all of your family was content to go with just a touch, you came back and said thank you. And because of that, I'm going to add to your life blessings and favor and a touch that no man can deny. Oh, don't tell me it doesn't matter. That old blind man was touched the first time and he could see ministries, but it took a second touch for him to see all things clearly. As we stand together tonight, the story that I read in our text absolutely shook me because Joseph was just looking for his brothers. Joseph was just looking for a place of belonging. Joseph was just looking. <laughs> to be received by those that rejected him because of this dream that was given to him by God. And so he goes 50 miles. 50 miles on foot. And he arrives in Shechem. And the scripture says that he wandered. And that word wander in Hebrew is ta'ah. Joseph, for the first time that we read of, and the only time that we read of in his life, was morally confused because he did what his earthly father asked him to do. And he didn't get the result that he was looking for. But out of nowhere, there came a certain man that said, Brother Joseph, I've got the answer to your confusion. I've got to stop here. And there are some in this house that have done what their earthly fathers have asked. But you haven't had yet an encounter with the heavenly father. And that's why you're confused. Because you're just fulfilling some forms and you're fulfilling some rules when you've got to know the God of the rules. And so the certain man says, Brother Joseph, you've walked for 50 miles. Your brothers aren't here. You've got to walk a little further. You've got to walk 15 more miles. And that's where your answer is. Ooh. 
I feel like a certain man here tonight. There are some that have walked a long, long, long road of brokenness, of loneliness, of heartache and sorrow. And you're here on a Sunday night and you're confused in your spirit because you've done everything that you know to do, but you're not getting the results. <laughs> But I'm here to preach to you. I'm here to preach to you. I'm here to tell you your answer. <laughs> I'm here to tell you, Brother Jacob, you may have visited Bethel, but you've got to get to El Bethel. You've got to get to the place where there's a wrestling with your will. <laughs> where you leave behind your desires and you surrender completely and totally to God and say, not my will but thine be done. And that's the place where men and women of God are born. Not in the shallows, but when they make up their mind, I'm going to go. <laughs> Friends, stay here. Family's not going to understand. I'll be back. Stay here. I love you. I love you. But I can't. I can't stay here. I've got to go. I've got a purpose on my life. God's got his hand on me. I hear the angel. I hear the certain man. And I'm going. And the crazy thing is, Brother Joseph said, don't leave me here in the place where Brother Joseph was buried was in that place that he thought was confusion. He was buried in Shechem. The place where I was so broken and lonely turned out to be the place where everything changed. The place where I didn't feel like I had a friend ended up being the place where I met the friend that's taken. <laughs> the place where I needed peace. I ended up meeting the Prince of Peace. And so don't leave me in blessing, but take me to the place where I met the God of peace, the God of my dreams, and the I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I would that somebody would just obey God. I don't know what the angel's telling you to do right now, but I would that you would just, I would that you would just do it. I would that you would just do it because there are generations counting on you to follow the angel as he measures out another thousand. If you're in need of the Holy Ghost, I'm telling you, God is here tonight to fill you with the Holy Ghost. He's measured out a place called repentance. He's measured out a place called baptism in Jesus' name. And he's measured out a place where he comes in and fills your heart with his presence. Does anybody want to go a little further? Does anybody want to go for a second touch? 
Does anybody want to be made whole tonight?